may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of the, his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he might be, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He has put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all Remember? 
And God wants all of us, all of his people, to know this story of adoption. He wants us to know that we have been adopted in Christ Jesus because God did what? He chose us before the foundation of the world to be in Christ Jesus, to be sons and daughters. He wants us to understand the magnitude of his unmerited and unwarranted fatherly affection and love to shape your relationship with him. According to Ephesians 1, the first three verses, verse 3 to 6, listen to them again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How many blessings? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless in him. In love, in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Our adoption is one of the most amazing privileges God has given to every Christian. Let that sink in. Our adoption is one of the most amazing privileges that God has given to every Christian in salvation. He has predestined us to be for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So from the beginning, before even the foundations of this earth were ever laid, God's plan has always been for him to adopt people as his own who were orphans by sin. That was always God's plan. His plan was always to adopt people. When Adam and Eve sinned against God in the, the garden, chapter 3, just two chapters into the Bible, chapter 3, every single one of us, you, me included, every one of us following in the way, we were made at that moment spiritual orphans. We listen and say yes to the lies of Satan, and our hearts tell us that there is more joy and there is more life away from God, and that we don't really need him. I can find satisfaction, I can find meaning, I can find joy outside of God's boundaries. And all of us fall for that lie. It's all a lie. We lost God and everything went with him. We are left in a world full of death and suffering where our hearts are constantly pushing us toward short-term temporal satisfaction and long-term pain. We cry out to them for these things only to find that we get more pain and more abuse and less satisfaction. We're orphaned by our sin and we're hopeless. But God. But God's adopt his people from their, their spiritual orphanage to sin, to be sons and daughters with the payment of his son. Our 
not God's plan B. Because if it was God's plan B, God would not be God, right? God was God is never caught by surprise. He doesn't go, oh my gosh, I never saw that coming. I never thought that they would do that. I never thought that they would go outside my love and my mercy and my affection, that they would want something greater than me. They, it, it wasn't as if we sinned in the garden and God thought, uh-oh, what am I going to do now? Before the foundation of the earth, before sin existed, he was planning, planning to adopt us through the blood of his son. He wanted to take people that wanted nothing to do with him, who deserved nothing but his wrath, and to make them sons and daughters. Through Jesus, not only does God take away our sins, making us holy and blameless, that's never enough. But he also does this amazing work called redemption. It's honestly one of the, the, the doctrines Uh, worship leaders, they have 
one that I think just really beautifully illustrates this picture between uh, the relationship between God and Father and us. And I think that as you watch, I've got a video, as you watch this, this is a small picture, a tiny picture of what adoption in Christ Jesus looks like. Go ahead, Ryan. Welcome back to the most news in the morning. It's now 40 minutes past the hour. Ground zero of the disaster is in the Caribbean, but its impact certainly uh, being uh, felt across the world and here in the U.S. as well as those desperately try to reach their loved ones in Haiti. Aaron and Jamie Ivy adopted four-year-old Amos. They were actually in the process of trying to get him out of the country when the earthquake struck. Now, what they know is that Amos is safe, which is the good news. When they'll be able to actually get him to the States is another story. For two and a half years, we worked hard to get our adopted son out of Haiti. Tonight, we got the call we've been waiting for for so long. Our son is finally coming home. I was calling to see if there are any available flights from Houston Intercontinental uh, tonight to get me in the direction of going to Florida. It was the first time in two and a half years that it actually felt like it could happen. Because we've had several false alarms over the years where it was like, you know, maybe they're going to come home next month or maybe they'll come home six months from now. We just believed that God was saying, this is your, this is your son, pursue him. We were so longing for our family to be together finally. So emotions were just inexplainable. We got to the airport and there's probably 35 or 40 other parents that were in the same boat as us. What's up, Brooks? U.S. Customs had to do very specific background checks. And we just started this long night of waiting that we didn't see coming. I remember looking at my phone at one point, and it was 3 in the morning. The crazy thing was, for so long, it had been this giant ocean that was separating us from our kid. And then we're in the airport, and it's just a wall, it's a physical wall. We're literally feet away from our kid with nothing but a door between us. It was one of the most frustrating parts of our whole journey. Finally, I just, I went to sleep. I think the sleep for me was almost just this outward expression of this trust that I was having to deal with in my own heart of just, God, I, I trust you with this. I trust you with my son because there's nothing that I could do. Nothing. And then woke up and there was some movement going on. Come on back and talk to me real quick. Finally, a U.S. Customs guy came out and called us back to see Amos. picked him up and just held him so tight. It was an emotional moment to be, not just hugging my son because I'd done that before, but to know that he was finally home. Nobody else was keeping me from him. Nobody else was saying you can't have him yet, but he's here. This is over, this is complete. For like an hour, we just, we just hugged and held and just whispered in his ear. Mom and Papa are here, we love you, we're never leaving you. 
You're here with us forever. You want to go home? Go home with Mama and Papa? Forever? Huh? He had come from such a hard place. He's four, and he has been through four really difficult years and wanted him to experience this sort of newness because I wanted that door to close on being abandoned, being an orphan, and now he's, he's adopted, he's in a family. As a father, I know that I've been adopted into God's family. I was once an orphan with no hope, with no purpose, no aim. But God in his kindness saw me and adopted me into his family. Changed my past, changed my future, changed everything about me. We've been adopted. I want to reciprocate that in the way I live my life. When the earthquake hit, we didn't know if we would ever get our son home. Now Amos has brothers and a sister. He's a part of the Ivy family, and he's finally home. children of God. And if children, then heirs, 
co-heirs, we, we are co-heirs with Jesus. We can talk with God as our Father in the same exact way that Jesus spoke to his Father. That, my friends, is adoption. Right after this, Paul makes it clear that our adoption happened because God predestined to do it. Later on in Romans 8, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that we might be the firstborn among our brothers. And those he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So we've been adopted, and we now, uh, we're now being conformed into this, this image of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is teaching us what it means to be the, a child of God, because God predestined it. And based on verse 30, if he predestined it, he will glorify us on one day. And that is an amazing promise. And hopefully you're seeing by now that what God wants his children to know is that we are his kids. We are his children. And we are dearly loved because he chose us. And that is why, and this is all because you've been adopted. But with this very doctrine, with this very idea of being elected, Many of us struggle with the Word of God. I, I've never heard anyone push back or be frustrated with the idea of God adopting us into his family or say it's ridiculous for, us, for God to love us in extravagant ways. We, we love this idea that God adopts us and that he, 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 he loves us in this extravagant way. For God to love the world that he gave is one of the only signs. It's one of those Bible memory things that we just, we love this idea. But we begin to push back and feel frustrated when we talk about God being sovereign, the sovereign author over all things. If God is sovereign over it all, then is it really love? Or is it mechanical? We struggle with the idea of God electing people because we feel like it, it kind of nullifies human choice. We infer that this teaching is saying that human beings are then, if this is true, that God predestined and elected us, then, then we are just really robots, where we have really no will whatsoever of our own. So in our minds, if there is no choice, if there is no choice, we think love cannot be genuine. Any relationship that's forced cannot be Yet we know this fact that God is love. So we begin to think these statements are incompatible. God, the God that we know, can't exist in these kind of tests. So they cannot be true. And I can totally understand that. For a long time, I just struggled with this, the doctrine of predestination and election. It was my first response, too, just to, to push back. However, there's one big piece that we're not thinking about. Humanity did have a choice. We all had a choice in the Garden of Eden. You had a choice in your life, but we all, through Adam, chose.
out sin in his heart or in the world, there was nothing but blessing and provision. Nothing. There was one thing that he couldn't have, and he chose it. And what was it? He chose sin. You and I are born underneath Adam, and we are born in sin. I, I love these phrases. When parents hold a newborn baby, sometimes they use these phrases, and I kind of cringe, but I know what they're trying to say. They go, oh, he's perfect. And I go, no, he's not. Just wait. Just wait. We are all born with sin. You are born in sin. But what do we do in being born in sin? We spread more sin all over this planet. Sin totally has corrupted us to where we cannot get back to God. We have absolutely no ability to get to God on our own. There is not enough goodness in me to muster the ability to get back to God. There is no ability on our own to choose God. Romans 8, again. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It cannot submit to God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's not that we don't want God. It's, it's that we can't submit to Him. It's a matter of our actual ability. You and I have a will, but we have have no ability to choose God on our own anymore. We don't think that we're and honestly, we don't think that we're as bad as the Bible says we are, right? Deep down in our hearts, we want to believe that if we were given all the right circumstances, all the right circumstances, we would choose God. We, would, we have no problem believing that we're not perfect, but we have a big problem believing that we are totally ruined by sin. One of the reasons is that we, we only think of sin as in terms of overt evil and overt immorality. We think that God might be exaggerating, maybe just a little bit when it comes to sin. You think of your friends who, who don't know Jesus, and, but they're, they're moral, they're nice, they're generous. He's a good husband. She's a great wife. Their kids are well-behaved. And you begin to ask, is sin really all that bad? Is it all that bad? We don't understand what sin has done to us. Sin doesn't make you incapable of being nice or, or loving somebody. Sin makes you incapable of doing those good things with a heart to honor serving and honoring God as the one who gave you a, the ability to do those things. According to the Westminster Confession, listen to this. This is how bad things really are. From this original corruption by which we are utterly, utterly disinclined, disabled, and utterly antagonistic to all that is good and wholly inclined to all that is evil, 
all actual transgressions proceed. So from that original corruption of Adam and Eve, because of your total and utter being utterly disinclined and disabled and antagonistic against everything, everything that is good,
You are not God. You are not God. Our job, our responsibility is to trust God because we don't know who God is going to save. We don't know when they're going to be saved. All that we can do in this life is pray, share the gospel, use our words, use our lives, not worry and fret, but just be faithful. None of us know who's going to hear the gospel, when they're going to follow Jesus. Our job is just to be faithful, to pray, to share the gospel, to know that there's nothing, there's nothing in this life that will keep God from saving his adopted children. There's nothing. This is the God who loved and chose a poor sinner like me, like you, to be his own son or daughter. God is absolutely trustworthy. And God wants us to know that the glories and beauties of adoption are rooted in his election of us. For even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he has predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the world. God has done everything to the praise of his glorious grace. The reason he chose a people based on nothing that they had done and didn't make them servants, but rather sons and daughters, was to bring the maximum amount of praise in our hearts for his grace. When we realize there is nothing that I can contribute to my adoption, to my being chosen by God, it should make our hearts well, and which make us sing songs like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. It should make us sing songs like, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. It should be, at that point, you should be like bawling. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see the grace that has been poured out to me. I don't deserve one stinking bit of this grace, but he has done what he poured it out to me. God, not us, has secured every single aspect of your salvation. Every bit of it. Jesus paid for every ounce of sin that ever has happened, is happening, or will ever happen. He has paid the price. Every bit of righteousness was given to us through Jesus Christ, not because of your works, not because of your goodness. It was given to you by Christ himself. Every moment of joy that we have been given to us by God was given to us because he wanted to. This is the character of God, friends. He is generous. He is, he is kind. And he gives freely. We tend to think that God just did a lot of it. But we still had to fulfill our end of the bargain. All right, I'm going to give my life to Christ. So, uh, there's something I've got to do yet. We think the reason 
that we know Jesus is because we maybe we grew up in, in, a, in a great family or a great church or had a decent pastor or maybe even the circumstances, all the stars were aligned and everything was just right for me to say yes to Jesus. Even when we begin to think that the reason we're staying faithful to God and haven't left him is because we love him and we're faithful to him, we should know better. We should know better. Because then we start thinking that he's not as forgiving as he says. We don't think that he's as gracious as he claims. We begin to think that he can't love us the way he does or owes us because we've done good. We've worked hard and fulfilled our end of the bargain, guys. So he has to now do his will and his part. We put him in our debt. separated for years. Those are the scenes that make your heart sing. And those are the scenes that are yet to come for us. In our adoption story right now, where we are, friends, the papers have gone through. Everything has been signed. Everything has been paid for. We are legally adopted as sons and daughters of God but we're stuck in Haiti. In, in this world where everything is crumbling and our bodies are falling apart, we're, we're stuck in this world where sin accuses us, death swallows us up in moments, we struggle with depression and doubt, we begin to wonder, is, is God really as good as he says he is? Or does he have a little bit of a malevolent side to him? We begin to feel the sin in us wanting, desiring, and burning to be acted upon, and we're wondering if our Father is really on the other side of the barricade. Is he really there? We're wondering if he's really doing something so that we can get home to him. And God is saying, don't you worry. I'm going to make it happen. I am going to bring you all the way home. I know you feel lost. I know you feel forgotten, but trust me, I am moving everything towards you. Coming home with me. 
the host of heaven who are all smiling, shouting, and saying, the sons and daughters of God are home. We will get there. 